Greetings in Jesus' name to each one here this evening. Glad to see some that y'all have put the effort to come out and worship the Lord here this evening. That's a real blessing. I too uh, really enjoyed and appreciated the uh, songs that were led this evening by Brother Joe. Appreciate that. Uh, a number of the words that we sang were uh, had something to do with the message, and I think that's the Holy Spirit leading. Glad for that. You know, um, Peter, when he was preaching to uh, the gospel in Cornelius' house, a Gentile spoke some very profound truths uh, that I think are worthy of our thinking, where he said in Acts 10, 34 and 35, he said, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And that's a tremendous thought. You know, every, I think everybody, every Christian, every person really that has a good mind wants to be accepted with God. You know, that, that's so important. But it says there that everyone that feareth him. I don't know if you feel like in your life you reverence God like you should or not. In the day and age of casualness, more than in dress, casualness of heart, it is quite a few, maybe a precious few, that really uh, reverence and fear God the way they should. It makes all the difference how you read the Bible. It makes all the difference when you read it, how you, uh, you take it, whether this is for me, I get by God's, by God's grace, I get to obey this because I want to represent you. And to do that, I can't, cannot do that without you living within me. And me uh, showing forth your precepts in my life. Uh, reverence is, is uh, what a blessing. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, and you know this. Let's hit the conclusion of the whole matter. So what is really important for man? Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Man cannot and will not. Obey God the way he should without a proper reverence for God. It will not happen. In fact, I think uh, most of us, I know I have, at times we, we look at the scripture and we say, now what's God trying to say? Or I even hear preachers or something in Sunday school say something that, well, I don't, you know, I'm not doing it, okay? Let's just put it the way it is. It, it sounds good, and it probably is good, but I'm not doing it, so I question it, okay? That's, uh, and that's easy to do. Uh, fear God and keep his commandments. Go hand in glove. If we're going to keep God's commandments and cheerfully do them the way we should, there needs to be, first of all, proper reverence for God. And that makes it easier, much easier, to keep his commandments. Also, Acts 10 Verse 2 says, a devout man, talking about Cornelius, and one who feared God with his whole house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. I think it just said the total character of Cornelius here. He feared God, and that affected the household. Don't always make them all fear God, but it helps. And he gave alms. He was willing to open his pocketbook for the people. And he prayed much. I think a person that reads the word of God with an open heart and open mind will be a prayer warrior. And that speaks to me because 
because we, we realize how much we need God in our lives to walk circumspectly and acceptably before him, acceptably before him. So, the text, Romans 14, 18. Let's look at Romans 14, verse 18, where it says, For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. I was kind of amazed how many times the scripture speaks about being acceptable with God. Now, that's a real blessing. So the title of the message is Living Acceptable, acceptable to God. And I praise God. He doesn't say, okay, here's par for the course. You follow, you know, here's, and you know what? You just got, you got to try to do it. <laughs> you know, you're kind of on your own. Well, I, I praise God. He, he's, he's such a good God. He cares about you. Living acceptable to God. Now, you, all of us have had parents. And we know that uh, living in a way that is acceptable to our parents made a lot of harmony in the family, didn't it? I mean, uh, living unacceptable with good parents is not pleasant. Have you ever noticed that? If you had good parents, you did notice that. And, uh, and so, but what a blessing to realize that that's human. And, you know, we, we want to live acceptable before, uh, with our parents, but to, to, to fathom that we can live acceptable to a high and holy God is just utterly amazing. I think it's just amazing that, that he wants us to be accepted in him. And, and, but being there is a good thing, but that's just the start. Living, I praise God, is the life worth living. Living acceptably with God. What a privilege to be accepted and, and be part of his family. Now, I know it's pretty important. Uh, you know, your, your family, most of your uh, family, you probably, boy, yeah, it's kind of special to be a Martin or a, or a Fisher or Showalter or Hartzler. And I even some, see a heat wall back there. And, uh, you know, when we think about how the value that we like to extol the characteristics that are good and we kind of wink or whatever at the ones that are a little less desirable, uh, you know, this family, God has no bad characteristics. Now, I didn't say this family. I didn't mean to say this family doesn't. God does not have any undesirable characteristics. <laughs> and so when we live acceptable with him, praise God, we can do it in such a way it's pleasing to him, walking pleasing with God. I tell you, that is so valuable. People do all kinds of things in this life to be accepted by God. And praise God, it isn't a mystery for his children. We can live that way. What a tremendous blessing. Now, to get the context, I'd like to start at verse 17. Uh, Romans 14, verse 17, and go to 15, 1, where it says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that is he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. For meat is destroy not the for meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. 
It is good neither to eat flesh, neither to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. For you have, do you have faith? Have it to, uh, excuse me, have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, uh, I'd like to go back to verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I'd like to look at those a little closer. <clears throat> uh, this starts out... Uh, given a context of being righteous and also lets us know um, things that aren't that terrible important. You know, God really isn't into whether you eat meat or not. Okay, some people make a big ado of that nowadays. But how you eat is important to God. It says very plainly in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. I guess you ate supper for the glory of God. Amen? Well, I hope so. Well, we didn't do it to shame him, did we? I hope we did because we're wanting to be live acceptably with God. So just eating and drinking the right stuff uh, is not the paramount to being evidence of being the kingdom of God. Righteousness is, okay? Righteousness is. You know, that, that's what he cares. And I praise God, we can have righteousness in Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from. Philippians 3, 9 says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. That's Paul speaking. He was a Pharisee, blameless. And none of us could say that. Before we come to Jesus, at least not that I know of, he's blameless. But that which is wrought through the faith of Christ, the righteousness by which is of God by faith. I praise God that we as Christians have righteousness through the blood of Jesus. And it's because we're forgiven from our sins. It's because we repented of our sins. We can be his children. That's how we become acceptable to him. And I know some people say, oh, you know, that's awful humiliating. Yes, that's correct. Because we have to realize we cannot be righteous in ourselves. A person could go to church every Sunday, and he can go to church every Sunday evening, and he can go to church every Wednesday evening, and he can look like a pious person all week and not be righteous in Jesus. That's what he's saying. Now, those things are good, and they're good fruits of righteousness, okay? But without the, having the blood of Jesus on our sins and and walking humbly with the fear of God in our hearts and obeying his word and having him, the fellowship with him in our lives, we are not righteous people. But I praise God, all of us can be and want to be righteous. What a, what a tremendous privilege we can be. His righteousness. When God looks at our lives as Christians, he don't need to see your sin. If they're beneath the blood, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Because his blood is there. That is a privilege. See, living acceptably. And then some people think, well, and I think the devil tempts us all. I've heard about the, the uh, cycle of guilt. I heard about somebody talking about recently. Cycle of guilt. You know what that is? It isn't in the Bible, but it is in the Bible, okay? 
It is when you sin uh, or do a little slip up or make a little mistake, whatever you want to call for sin, and have a little bad attitude, whatever you, the devil likes to smooth it over, and you say, oh, that wasn't too bad. You know, I don't think I ought to have to tell, talk to them, make that right, you know what I mean? And, you, and we become guilty. We become guilty. We should. That's the Holy Spirit. That's his good work. He's doing his good job, and we become guilty. And we say, oh, it wasn't that bad. We excuse it. We cover it up, and you know what? Then we do it again. Yeah. And it's easier then. You know what I mean? Oh, it's a little easier because I've already did it once, you know, and, you know, I didn't need to do it this. So I'll do it again. And next thing you know, it just gets easier and easier and easier to sin. Have you ever been there? Well, you've seen somebody else do it. Sure, if you don't sit in the mirror, you've seen somebody else. I think we've all been there, for honest. That happens sometimes. It's the cycle of guilt. And it's terrible. See, righteousness frees us from the cycle of guilt because we repent of our sin. We don't cover up sin. We don't want to. Because that's what makes us unacceptable to God. Unacceptable. Nobody, no Christian would want that. But that's what happens when we buy in to the lies of our enemy. When he says, that wasn't bad. That wasn't too bad. Nobody even saw me. Yeah. Brother John already talked about that. Our good God sees everything, doesn't he? And we don't want to hide from him anyhow. We don't want to hide. Thank God we can live accountably. That is righteousness. That's the righteousness of Jesus. We're forgiven our sins and we love him. And we sang that. Oh, how I love Jesus. And we want to follow him. We enjoy his presence within us in the form of the Holy Spirit. And he means everything to us because we have fellowship with God continually, with Jesus continually. And it means everything to us. Living acceptably with God. What a blessing. Yes. What a tremendous blessing. No wonder it says in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 30 and 31 says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorifieth, glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Beautiful. He's everything for us. He's everything to us. Our righteousness is only in Jesus. And that makes all the difference. We're only acceptable for God in, in, unto God because of Jesus. Acceptable means fully agreeable. So we're fully agreeable with God. Living fully agreeable to God. You know, outside of this realm, we are not in fellowship with God. And, uh, but I praise God we can look to Jesus to forgive us our sins and to be our redemption, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our wisdom. He's everything we need. What a tremendous blessing. He's explained even a little bit more in Ephesians 1, verses 6 and 7, where it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. There it is again. Accepted in the beloved. In whom we have redemption. How is this? In whom, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Accepted in the beloved. That in the Greek means 
to grace induced with special honor. So we have his grace and we're endued with special honor. Now that's even one up on what we normally think about being accepted. It is the same Greek word used in Luke 28 where the angel came to Mary and said, Thou art highly favored. Now this gets really good to realize that we can live because of Jesus in our lives and forgiveness of sins that we could live highly favored with God. That's tremendous. That's a treasure. We ought, we ought to revel in that and we ought to want, we ought not to want to allow anything to come in our lives to encroach on that position. That's a real, real blessing. Oh, it's a tremendous blessing. Now, when a person asks for forgiveness from, uh, of their sins through Jesus and he indwells in them, they have peace. And I tell you, it's a priceless peace. It is a peace that passes understanding. It is just a, a gift of God. He, you know what? He could, he could save you. He could forgive your sins and not give you peace. You ever think about that? That is just a gift. That's an extra bonus. You know, to, to live, have peace, knowing that you're living in harmony with your creator and savior. Uh, and he wants you to have that. That's in uh, verse 17 there of our text, uh, the middle of our part. And um, what it just, and a good Christian don't want anything to mar that either. Romans 1, or excuse me, Romans 5 verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. Peace is nowhere else but in Jesus Christ. And I praise God, this peace cannot be taken away by anybody but ourselves. That's amazing. You get a gift, and it's yours forever if you live in harmony with Jesus and God. If you repent of your sins and you follow him faithfully, you know, we're the only one besides that. You can't blame the devil for your problems. You can't blame your ugly neighbors. You can't blame your siblings. You can't blame your church. And you can't blame your school teacher. Now, they might all be uh, a challenge at times, but praise God, if we respond correctly, we maintain our peace through it all. Amen? Praise God. It don't matter what comes, what rocks the boat. If we have a Christ living within us, we can live like peacemakers. What a tremendous, tremendous blessing we, we have. Peace with God and peace that passes all understanding. And it says there, now I want to get one of the blessings of peace that's very valuable. Philippians 4 verse 7. You probably knew I was going to say this. It should be said, yes. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, including yours and mine, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the peace of God, which is beyond actually our comprehension, shall keep your hearts and minds. Now we might as well think about it because it's such a blessing. In fact, the first question you'll answer is, do you have peace with God? Okay. Uh, so, and you won't have peace unless you're living acceptably with God. That's why I started there, okay? That's 
Very important. And that means uh, the New King James says, you will guard your heart, keep your heart. Yes, keep your heart. So it is a good thing for us as Christians to say, when I want to do this, when I'm tempted to do this, I'm tempted to say this, I'm tempted to think this, whatever, will it affect my peace with God? There is no more important question to ask, actually. Now, you can ask good questions, okay? There's a lot of good questions. But that is a good one. Will my response, will the words that come out of my mouth, or my attitudes, or the longings of my heart, are they in harmony to live acceptably with God, or are they going to negatively impact my peace with God? If you're honest, that'll keep us as humans away from a lot of problems. See, God wants us to live acceptably. But, you know, we have to think about, okay, this peace that we can't hardly comprehend. We really can't. But it's a tremendous gift. from And we love it. And we should love it. And we should live like we're living in peace, okay? It should come out through our everyday life. But it needs to keep our hearts and minds. Friends, that's everything. I mean, I tell you, when, you're, when uh, the enemy tempts us to think or look or to process things wrong, is the peace of God umpiring your life? That makes a world of difference. Wow. What a blessing. So when things get tough, let the peace of God rule in your heart and mind. That's what he'd like. Is Jesus central? Pleasing him, is it central in my life? Peace at what price? What are you willing to give up? to maintain your peace with Jesus. Have you given up anything recently to maintain your peace? God wants it. Jesus wants everything. And I tell you, friends, if we're going to maintain and grow in our Christian walk the way we need to be, see, self-denial didn't start just when we accepted Jesus. Self-denial is a lifelong process. So the question that kind of challenges is, what have I given up recently to maintain my peace with God? If he has asked it from us, and he does, he asked me anyhow, and we don't, we are losing our peace with God, and we don't want to do that. So let's be those that cheerfully give up fleshly pleasures to maintain our peace. Let's be that way. I tell you, those kind of people, they live acceptably with God. Well, what a tremendous blessing. And then, you know, when we're living acceptably with God and we're relishing that peace, we have the wonderful companionship of the Holy Spirit, as it says in verse 17, 3. He comes to bring us comfort and he, he brings us joy into our life. And so the, the new birth, every one of us is born again believers here this evening. When we have the new birth, we that we had, uh, we had a confrontation. He had a confrontation with us. The Holy Spirit had a confrontation with us because we don't just, uh, we accept Jesus because he convicts us of unrighteousness. We accept him and we know we're living in sin. First Thessalonians 1 verse 6 says, and ye become followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, and with joy of the Holy Ghost. 
Now, I don't know how you felt about under being under Holy Spirit conviction. Most of us feel a burden and uh, miserable, actually close to miserable, if not completely miserable. But praise God when we accept the Holy Ghost speaking to us and we accept forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus, we have joy in the Holy Ghost. And it, 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 what a tremendous blessing we can have that joy. Joy in the real joy that's not based in the next grand occasion that people look forward to. It's a lifestyle of living acceptably with God. That's joy. That's what brings joy. What a tremendous blessing to have that relationship with Jesus. And, and, and then, well, you know the two main things that uh, the Holy Spirit is was brought into your life and ours for it was the two he is the comforter and he's the strengthener that's what he is too many he comforts your life he comforts you and he uncomforts you okay he does the opposite too that's what i call guilt and he does that too and that's good but he strengthens you uh, you know because he helps you overcome and i praise god that he is the strengthener when when we walk with the Holy Ghost in our lives, we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. And that's a tremendous, we, tremendous, we don't need to give in to any sin. We don't need to give in to any temptation. And even though we might think we're bombed with it, we can have strength in him. First Peter 1 verse 8 says, Whom having not seen ye love, in whom, though now you see him not yet believing, we ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Is that what your neighbors would say? Is that what your family would say? Well, praise God. I think those that live acceptably with God have an uncanny pleasantness about their character. I think it's just beautiful. Yes, so we have the righteousness in Christ and the peace and joy in the Holy Spirit were acceptable with God and then were approved of godly men. Okay, this is men. And I think most mankind, I've been kind of amazed how worldly people admire Christianity. They won't do it, but they like, they still think it's pretty good. They won't do it, but I think it is approved by men, where it says in verse 18 there. Yes, 1 Peter 2, verse 5 says, Ye also, as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Yeah, spiritual sacrifices. One, things that we give up. We do it, sure, we don't be moaning. We're not telling everybody. We give it up for Jesus. We give it up so we can grow. Sometimes we're tested. Where it says in 1 Peter 2.20 says, For what glory is it when you're buffeted for your own faults? Oh, that's right. So most times when you look bad, you look bad because you was bad or whatever. I mean, you did something not the best, you know. And so it says, yeah, what glory is it when you're, I mean, don't talk about suffering. You probably just got your foot in your mouth. Uh, when you were buffeted for your own faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and you suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. There it is again. So if you're standing for the Lord and sometimes your friends and it's even sometimes your brothers and sisters don't understand, you might be a little radical maybe, I don't know, but you're trying to do what's right in, in a right way. You say, if you take it patiently, don't sit there and say, oh, oh, now I'm, you know, there I am. I'm getting picked on again. I hear that.
Yeah, it goes on verse 21. For even hereunto are ye called, talks about suffering, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us example that we should follow his steps. Yes. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I want to be like Jesus. Yes. Yes, we want to be those that follow him faithfully. One of the harder things to do is when somebody don't get along with us, and they're in the church especially, is to take it like Jesus took it, being acceptable with God. Let's look at verse 19 now in our text, Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify one another. That directly relates to our peace with God. I firmly believe we don't love God any more than we love people we don't like. I firmly believe that we, if we don't have peace with our fellow men, we don't have peace with God. I firmly believe it. Because he, he relates that with our fellow Christians. Now let's look at Colossians 3. I'd like to read a few verses there that encourage us. In Colossians 3, verses 12 to 15, I read this. Uh, in the New King James, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgive you, also you, so you also must do. But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, that which also you, to which also you were called in one body, and be ye thankful. So here it speaks to the point of how we relate to other people. We're long-suffering, we're tender-hearted, we're kind, we're forbearing. Now, if that don't get you over the hump, and it generally will get you over 90 to 99% of your problems if you actually do that. You've got one more opportunity, and that is what? Forgive. Just flat out forgive. You know, if you, and if you can't do that, you've lost your peace with God. And once you, if you have odd, and you're going to sit there and you keep that right, and I am, I am so impressed at how the devil helps us remember those have a, that have ought against us. Or it said something ugly. And you kind of think, well, I've forgiven them, but man, I just can't believe what they said. You know what I mean? And years later, you're remembering that. You say you've forgiven them, but you hadn't prayed to God for forgiveness for that for a long time. In fact, you, when, you, when you're around them, you wished you didn't see them. You wouldn't say that, but you know in heart you would. You really don't want to talk to them, but when they come face to face, you have to. So you try to be nice. See, that's a, I think that's a trick of the devil. Because I think true forgiveness helps us see that person in a total different way. They're a brother and sister. They're not somebody to be avoided. They're somebody to be loved. They're somebody to be carried. How can we edify somebody we don't want to save? Okay. How can we live in peace with somebody we wish we wouldn't see? How can we live in peace with somebody when we're putting on the front, we're living in hypocrisy, when we talk to them, we wish we could tell them something else. 
Okay, we say we try to be nice because we have to be nice, but we don't want to be nice, in other words. See, forgiveness will get you over that problem. Now, it might take a while. I, we know forgiveness takes time. Forgiveness is a process, but for, for this is forgiveness must happen. If you we have problems with our fellow men, and, and it's still there, before you can answer this counsel card correctly, forgiveness must happen. And I thank God, many a person has said, I will give you the counsel card after I've talked to somebody and cleared it up. I'd way sooner be honest and talk to five people than, than cover it up and act like they got peace when they don't. Because that's, that's not good. That isn't what we want. We want to live honestly and openly before God. Yes, and that takes a lot of humility. Now, in that pa uh, passage about wisdom in James 3, I'd like to read that. It tells us how to work with each other too. James 3, verses 13 to 18, where it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show of a good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy or and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This truth does not descend from above. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Uh, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It is so positive to live in the, in the last two verses there because we love to be around people that are peaceable, gentle, willing to yield to us. That's always beautiful and uh, full of mercy and good fruits. But then how am I? How are we when things don't come down quite the way we think we should? How is it with us? Yes. And then we got to be careful with that hypocrisy because he wants the fruits of righteousness sown. But he said there's another side that the devil tempts you with as well as me. He says, you know, how about a bad attitude? Better. Bitterness. Envy. Envy. Oh, I wish I was in their family. When we're in the family of God, the best family, and we wish we'd have been born in that family, because, oh, they get all they want. Their parents let them do whatever they want to do. All them, and I hear all kinds of things. And, you know, envy, yes, envy. Self-seeking, one in their own ways, selfish. They don't listen to the truth. Sensual, they're earthly sensual. yes. Self-seeking exists, caused a lot of trouble in churches. I tell you, said that is not what you want. We need to be those that are pure, purely open before God and pure-minded. Okay, purely open and pure-minded, peaceable with others, living peaceably with God, gentle. Yield, willing to yield, willing, easy to be entreated. Yes, people like to discuss touchy issues with you because 
You're easy to discuss it with. That's nice. We could use more of that. Full of mercy and good fruits. They're not partial. They love everybody in the brotherhood. They care about everybody in the community. And they're genuine to the bone. They wouldn't think of lying. They wouldn't think of hypocrisy. Because that's when they have the fruits of righteousness. That's when God is, Jesus is working in their lives. They have peace and, and it makes for peace. What a tremendous blessing it is to be that way. Fruits of peace. Fruits of righteousness in their lives. No wonder it says in Romans 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies. That's from the sole of your feet to the top of your head. Everything you think and want to think and love and affections. You present your bodies a living sacrifice. Yeah, because God wants you alive and he wants you sacrificed living for him. Holy. Yeah, that's the only way to live acceptable. Acceptable to God. Oh, it takes all the above to live acceptable with God. Which is just our reasonable service. In fact, we don't deserve it. But he wants to give it to us. If we're willing to live faithfully for him, shall we pray.